0: What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. we got the whole crew here with you tonight. The Grizzlies back against the wall, down 3-1 to the Golden State Warriors after a tough loss last night, 101-98, to low-hanging fruit. It's really, really hard in this series because the Grizzlies are a couple of plays away from this being reversed 3-1 the other way. And we, we're going to break all that down. We're gonna, I'll be honest, we're probably not going to talk about Game 3 very much. I can sum up Game 3 for you very, very shortly. The defense sucked. Golden State made everything. The Grizzlies got blown out. That's all that you need to know about Game 3. We, can, we There's a lot to talk about Game 4. And then we got news today about Ja Morant being doubtful for the remainder of the playoffs. We don't really know how long that time window is because – Who's to say that the Grizzlies don't come back in this series and uh, and make it a series? If they get through this, they head into the Western Conference Finals. Do we see John ja Morant? Hard to say, but as of right now, he's doubtful for the remainder of the playoffs.
1: Yeah, I was say that's the interesting way to to put um, in the injury report. We know that the Grizzlies have always been kind of weird when it comes to reporting on these injuries. I mean, it took a it took a while uh, to report this. I mean, this happened several days ago now, and you just kind of, they had the MRI, and when you ask Taylor Jenkins about it, he just kept on saying they were, they were going to do for the evaluation, um, but eventually it came out today, and honestly, I was surprised with kind of the way they were handling it, being secretive. I had heard some people last night that were saying that they had heard that the Grizzlies were looking to get a second opinion, and that didn't sound good. You also did like Jared's come in from shoot-around um, yesterday morning saying that it's a sad situation. I'm like, man, is this, something where he's going to have, have off-season knee surgery. is just a major knee injury. They're talking about getting a second opinion and all this because with John ja at his age at 22 years old, the, the way that he plays, the athleticism that he plays with, you don't want to be talking about a knee surgery this early in his career. Like, you, you don't want to be talking about knee surgery ever, but definitely with him being the type of player he is and what he means to this franchise, if he was going to have off-season knee surgery, that was definitely something to be concerned about going forward. So the, the fact that it's just a, a bone bruise that's there Describing it, I think that was really good news. But it, 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 it's tough, man. You you hate to see it because, as David laid out in the opening, I mean this thing is a couple of plays away from being, in a John Morant no injury away from being three to one. With the way the Warriors played last night, and John Morant plays in that game last night, I have no doubt that we're coming back to Memphis two two. I um, mean, it's yep. just it's tough, man. Because, it, and I, I hate it because you have all these people nationally weren't giving the Grizzlies a chance in this series, and the fact that Golden State's up 3-1, they're like pretending like this is, oh, they, they dominate This was what's supposed to happen. They're not taking into account that John Morant's out. They're not taking into account that there was a one-point loss in game one. They're just acting like Golden State was supposed to dominate this series, and this is what happened. And I, I just don't like that narrative, and it, it's a tough situation. Back against the wall, you don't have John Morant, but like we said, we saw last night that this team can still get it done without John Morant. We saw that throughout the season, and the way I look at it, you look at it, you have to win three games, and that sounds tough on the surface, but as Stephen Adams said in the postgame last night, like you have to approach it kind of the same way whether you're up 3-1 or down 1-3. I mean, it's the next game. Um, You come home on your own floor tomorrow night. You know that you can beat this team, and even without John Morant, I think they proved last night that they can beat this team. So you win tomorrow night. The, The big one would be Friday in San Francisco. Because if you can find a way to win that one, then you're coming back, you square. They, they got three wins, you got three wins, and you're at home for the game seven. And, I mean, he just let the far fall where they may. So it's a tough situation, man. But I think if anything can, can do this, I, I think this Grizzlies team is shown throughout the year, man, the perseverance, the, 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 the don't-say-quit attitude. I mean, they just don't quit. Like, no matter what's going on, man, they're going to go out there and fight. And I, I think they have a chance to, to win tomorrow night and, and extend the series.
2: I think a lot of what we've seen sort of confirmed what I initially thought in that this is one of uh, the Grizzlies best matchups. I think this team had a chance to win at the end for all but one of these games. Uh, They were in position right there. um, Execution, they learned some valuable lessons, I think. And when it comes down to execution down the stretch in, in multiple games, I think. So not just the most recent game, but a game one. Um, I think that um, I mean, they had a chance to win that one, and I I think it maybe may speak to a little bit more variety when it comes to our final uh, plays. But but either way, uh, this team was a good matchup for the Grizzlies, and it's proven that. And then, like like Isaac said, I think it's unfortunate that that the the games. If you if you have, if you didn't watch the games, you you think that the Golden State Warriors just dominated these games. But uh, the Grizzlies have been a problem for the Warriors throughout this series, and. And oftentimes they've kind of gotten, I mean, they, I'm not going to say it's a lucky break or anything. They know how to championship pedigree. They know how to execute down the stretch. But they've um, they've let, they left the door wide open for the Memphis Grizzlies often, um, perpetually with the exception of game three. And so um, I, I think the team will be better for this. But I, I think there were a lot of takeaways, a lot of lessons to be learned. Um, I guess the only thing to me that will make the difference on if the Grizzlies can take care of business at home is just their mindset. With the news of Ja having his bone bruise and being out, uh, what will be the spirits of the team? I don't you yeah. know. I, I do find it to be a little curious, the timing of the release of, of the bone bruise. They waited till after the loss to announce what was really going on with Ja. I don't know if that's some sort of throwing their heads in the towel, because it seemed like, and my thinking was that if they were going to keep things secret, they were going to continue to do so. They have been vague about Jai's injuries or injuries about all players in <laughs> the Preach Memphis office. Quite frankly, um, with this administration, they they've sort of have all b- been vague and you don't really get a lot of information, details, uh, unless it's good news. I think the one time that, that Jai's injury, at uh, the beginning of this season, I think they went ahead and released information to let him, let everybody know it was optimistic and that it was you know promising he'd return re- reasonably soon. But outside of that, this team is very vague about injuries. The fact that they released that, I, I just find it interesting. I thought they would have been, I thought they would have continued to sort of slow play this and see from game to game, Jai's doubtful. We don't know. It's a game time decision. Uh, so I don't know. If the Grizzlies can have the right mindset going into game five at home, I think they can win that game. But if they've already mentally thrown in the towel, then I think uh, they, they don't they won't have a chance.
1: One one thing quickly, I was going to say one thing. Sorry, David. One thing quickly to add to what Candace said, I think there's been so much pressure uh, on them about this jaw injury. I think not just from media at Memphis, but nationally wanting to know what's going on with them. I think that could be the reason why Mm -hmm. they kind of went ahead and announced it. I think initially they might have been trying to kind of play gamesmanship Mm -hmm. uh, because when when you talk about a knee bruise, that's not a structural issue. So I'm thinking maybe if they had won last night and this thing kept going, they don't know whether, because you know Ja is a warrior. Uh, right. So if they got into a game seven situation or something, if they could were able to force that, then maybe he would decide to try to go out there and play. I don't know. Uh, but but I think there's been a whole lot of pressure on them to kind of put this news out. Because even nationally, they've been killing them on shows, like saying they don't understand why they're not releasing this. I mean, it's been a big topic. So I think maybe that possibly had something to do with them go ahead and, and, and releasing what was really going on.
0: It, it's funny that you mentioned gamesmanship because that I was going to talk about that and the the report, I mean, I'm going to pull it up exactly. I want to read it word for word here, but it, it said that he is doubtful. It didn't completely rule him out. And so with the way that this series has gone, you know, whether it be the, the back and forth from the media or whatever it has been, from you know, head coaches saying stuff that they shouldn't have said, not handling things the way that they should, and the whole narrative just swirling around this whole series has been jaded because of a few people not doing what they should be doing. Do you think that there's any chance that this is – it's like right here it talks about uh, Memphis Grizzlies guard John Morant exited during the fourth quarter of game three of the Western Conference semifinals on May 7th at Golden State with right knee soreness. Morant underwent an MRI and subsequent evaluation has revealed a bone bruise in his right knee. He is doubtful for the remainder of the postseason, but is expected to make a full recovery. Doubtful is not completely ruled out. Right. Do, do you think, is there a chance that this is gamesmanship and the fact that maybe the Grizzlies are like, okay, we're going to list him as that. We're going to release this report and there's no – not that there's any lies. I'm not, I'm not accusing them of lying or downplay. I'm just saying because of the playoffs being such a, a cerebral matchup, is that something – well, if we list Ja as doubtful, maybe Golden State relaxes a little bit and that opens the door up for us.
2: Perhaps. I, I, think, I think anything is possible with this team. Now, they did list him to, to – just to put this out there, they have listed him officially as out for game five. And so, I mean, I don't know if they were (laughs) going to keep up with the doubtful thing or not, but uh, maybe gamesmanship, maybe they just want to see how the, how the results will play out, how the team will play. Uh, Maybe it's just for the mentality of the team itself of the players itself. Like I just mentioned them having the mentality of not throwing in the towel. Maybe that's in part for them. It could also work twofold in gamesmanship for the other team. Uh, But I, you know the team is strategic about everything that they do, so I yeah. can't say I can't with any certainty say, "Oh no, that's not possible," because they they have intention behind every move that they make. It, you know, in, the, in this front with this current uh, run of the front office.
1: Yeah, they're definitely super calculated. Like nothing that they do is just by happenstance, or they're just saying something. They they have a thought process behind pretty much everything they do. So I think that's definitely possible. And um, because I, I mean, they're not gonna make anything they're going to be vague for reasons whatever reasons they have for being vague there's a reason specific it's not just that's just a coincidence that they're being vague there's a reason why they're being vague uh, but if this series if they somehow got this series to game seven if they don't save John ja from himself I got a feeling that he would try to tough it out and come out there. I think you'd see John Moran out there I have a feeling that if they could get it to game seven that you could see him out there um, and because like you said, what I, what I said earlier, a bone bruise is not a structural issue. It's kind of a pain tolerance thing at that point. Um, you just don't want to, the risk is that you get it hit again. You get it knee to knee or somebody there and it can end up being a, a worse problem. That's what you worry about. But I got a feeling that if they somehow got to game seven, it wouldn't surprise me at all. If, if you saw Ja out there trying to toughen out. I mean, that's just who he is as a person. If, if they don't save him from himself and there's any way that they would allow him to get out there, he's going to be out there. Um, and Game 7, I, I know how he thinks the ultimate competitor. I got a feeling that he might toughen out. Because like you said, doubtful is not, even though they haven't listed out for Game 5, they said doubtful for the rest of the playoffs. And that's interesting because are they just saying that because they feel like this series is over and they're not right. going to advance further just... than that or going to be any more games that they might lose tomorrow night and it's over and they, they know that he's not going to play before then? Or it, 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 It's an interesting. It's an interesting way to not just – just say that he's just out for the the playoff. That's extremely interesting to me that they worded it that way.
0: Yeah, and I think that this franchise going all, you know, like the Jaron injury, the way they handled that, they've been very cautious with the way that they've handled injuries. And so I I don't know, even though where they are at in the playoffs right now, I don't think that they would risk putting Jai out there if it's going to affect him long-term. There's a lot of ifs in there. You know, is is he going to favor the knee if he goes out there and plays on it while it's hurting? A lot of questions behind that. But he's been phenomenal in this series. You know, averaging 38 points a game, 8.3 assists, just dominating. The the Warriors have not had an answer for him. They haven't had an answer for Jaron Jackson Jr. But, unfortunately, the Warriors are beating the Grizzlies at their game. They're, They're beating them with paint scoring, a series where we talked about the three-point shooting early on because of Steph Curry, because of Klay Thompson and Jordan Poole. We talked about how important it would be for the Grizzlies to play defensively, defend that three-point line well. And and they're doing great. The the Warriors are shooting 32.4%. That's nearly 5% below what they averaged for the full season in this series. So the Grizzlies are doing a lot of things right they just haven't been able to get over the hump and i think that is the difference between the minnesota team and this this warriors team minnesota did not know how to close the games they didn't know how to play championship basketball this warriors team does and so it makes it tougher and the grizzlies have been there that's not i'm not trying to downplay what the grizzlies have done because like we said early on they're one or two plays away from this thing being 2-2 or 3-1 in favor of the grizzlies
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, I, I just if, if they do go on to lose the series, if they lose tomorrow night or they force Game Six, or even if they lose in Game Seven, it, it's tough for me because, and I know a lot of people would will, will say that I'm crazy saying this. I mean, they're down three uh, one, but there's a lot of things that have happened in this series. I I still feel like the Grizzlies, if Stephen Adams had played in every game, you had started Stephen Adams, Ja hadn't got hurt, and and, and his team was playing at their, their peak ability I feel like the Grizzlies are the better team I really do yep. feel like that that's not being a homer That's not because I cover the team or this is the team that I that that, that I love I just I really do feel like that and that's what's going to be disappointing if they lose this series but the job thing is unfortunate not having Steven Adams those first two games and not really playing them, not not that it would have made any difference I don't think it would have changed the game to a point in game three where they would have won but who knows I feel like you still should have started them I think Jenkins stuck with Tillman too long in, in that situation because, I mean, you saw him last night and, and just like I thought he looked, he was everything that I thought he would be in this series. Like, I was never worried about, when, when you put that out there with Stephen together, you know, especially for Warriors fans and people nasty, they'd be like, oh, what do you think Stephen Allen's going to do? He's going to get run out the floor. You couldn't play him against Minnesota. And, now, and I'm like, it? man, Minnesota the, the Golden State Warriors don't have a call Anthony Towns out there.
0: Yeah, like Draymond this Green is not going to. No,
1: he's not He's not, gonna, not, he's he's not a court like threat. That, man. No. I mean, I the, because the size advantage that the Grizzlies have on this team, anything that he would give up on the, on the offensive end, I always knew on the defensive end. I mean, I always knew that everything else that he brought, the screen setting, the rebounding, just just the toughness inside the, the playmaking uh, ability. I knew he would make up for it with, with all those things. I knew it would be enough to make up for whatever he gave up on the offensive end. Because I mean, that there's, the size advantage is what the Grizzlies have over this team and, for outside of last night, they really haven't been able to use
2: that. And he was able to give you 10 points today. Uh, yeah, that's why I said. I, I knew he
1: better. I said that last time. I was like, he'll be able to score, too, because they're just
2: don't yeah, have the size small. to stop
1: him. Yeah.
2: yeah. Too small. And he looked dominant. I mean, he really did look dominant um, in, in all his minutes. Uh, he had the highest plus minus on the team with plus 13. He just had, had that effect. And it really, um, it is disappointing that it took, you know, so long. Ago. I do know that Steven Adams was not available for the first two games because of health and safety protocol, but he was available for game three. And perhaps it was such an onslaught that it didn't make the difference, but I'm not sure. Gold state gets quite that high as hot as they did with Steve Adams on the floor. I think it makes at least somewhat of a difference. They it, probably it takes, may like, still sure. lose, but it, it changes like you said, it changes the trajectory of the, of the game completely as he did, from the beginning, when he was on the floor, it was great, and not in my opinion, they should have played him in the fourth at least some minutes. You know, give him some run. Uh, I think I think they should have played him more. The Jaron was better with, with Steven Adams on the floor. Uh, the offense flowed better with Steven Adams on the floor. And this, the the only the main challenge for the Grizzlies in, in this past game was the offensive stretches with no scoring. And if Steven Adams was able to help provide and facilitate, uh, he. Yeah, the three assists like that, that last night. Uh, just what he gives to the offense was very much so needed, especially against a struggling Warriors team. I think it's keep the foot on the gas kind of mindset. If what's working, don't 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 fix was was not broken. Um, and it, I think it was working just fine. I'm a little disappointed that uh, Taylor Jenkins sort of opted to take him out of the game down the stretch of the game.
0: So what has to happen? They're heading back home. Game five is Tuesday night in Memphis. Wait, today is Tuesday. Wednesday night. Sorry, it, this week is running together on me. Wednesday night in Memphis. This team played Golden State at home. Very tough. Had a chance to win that game. couple things go their way. A couple better decisions by players. I think Taylor Jenkins could have done some things to change the course of that game as well. What does this Grizzlies team have to do in order to beat the Warriors at home tomorrow night in Memphis?
1: And I think basically what they did last night. Uh, yeah. But I think you, it, and, and I do want to talk about last, last night because we haven't really talked about the game itself. I mean, it was obviously extremely disappointing. I, I mean, a tough night from Golden State and a lot of that had to do with the Grizzlies defense. I, I think the Grizzlies played really well defensively in that game. And a lot of that had to do with Steven Adams that we just talked about. I mean, him and Jared were, just dominant early in a game. And again, like you said, you just hated to see. I know Jaron usually closes at the five, but I think last night when you're in a critical playoff game, I think you need to make adjustments and you can't go back. To, it goes back to the Buno's thing, man. you can't do the same things and, and expect different results. Uh, when you get to the playoffs, if, if something doesn't work, and I think you, you saw in the first half how well that worked, I just don't know how you look at that and say, okay, well, I'm just going to completely go away from that. I mean, I know all season, that's usually kind of how they held on the Stephen, and things. thing. Jared would close at center. But last night, I just felt like it was a situation where going big was your advantage against that team, and you just went away from that. I don't understand it. but uh, And,
2: and vet, his veteran presence, I just want to point that out. Yeah. His veteran presence was needed.
1: But, but I think to tomorrow night, I think just like last night, man, just come out and and play defense. I think when you're at home, role players usually play better. I think some of those shots that they missed last night will fall. Uh, Make your free throws. Obviously, that was a, a an issue um, at, at times last night. But I, I think just play your game. And I think more Stephen Adams. I'll take more Stephen Adams. I think we saw how good and how dominant he was in that game last night, and how much effect, like plus 13, highs on the team. You, I, I want Stephen Adams out there as much as he can play because I, I don't think they have any answer for him. Um, I mean, you can talk about the pick and roll defense and they're getting him in the pick and roll, and that might happen at times, but. The other stuff that he does, the, the impact that he has on the game in other areas, I think they don't have an answer for. And I think that's bigger for the Grizzlies than what he might give up defensively. Uh, so, I, I mean, and, and you just think they, have, they make the announcement, a formal announcement. I don't know how much that will kind of change their mindset because I think they probably already knew what was going on. I mean, you talk to Jared, and Jared said he had got information pre shoot around uh, at shoot around yesterday morning. And and then how sad it was. So I think they already knew probably that whatever they know, uh, and we don't know exactly what that is. I think the teams already knew when they came out and saw the fight that they had last night. And that was one thing that I took out of that principle last night. They didn't sound defeated. Taylor Jenkins didn't sound defeated. The guys from, from a man, they didn't sound like a team that felt like this series is over. They felt like we got another game on our home floor. We got to go win it. And they sounded confident that they could do that. So I was glad to see that. I was glad that they didn't sound like a, a lot of teams go down three-one, and you you can get those rest us. You can just tell that they're checked out. They're done. They know the season's over. I didn't get that sense last night. Doesn't mean they're going to win tomorrow night, but I, I got a feeling they're going to come out and play well. And again, just play defense the way they did last night. Make a make a, make a few more shots. Make some free throws, and and I think you can force into a game six.
2: Yeah, I, I think coaching adjustments will be important again. Uh, I think they they have been important throughout the series. And I think Taylor Jenkins, I hope, has learned some valuable lessons from that. Just to go back to, to your point, Isaac, about Steven Adams uh, playing more in that fourth quarter. He played the least amount of minutes of anybody that played in that fourth quarter. He played four minutes and 20 seconds. And he was the only positive in the fourth quarter. He only played four minutes. So I think that just goes to show you uh, his impact whenever he's on the floor. I think you got to take advantage of that. It, like you said, it's not the regular season. It's the playoffs. you got to go with what works. Positive players need to be on the floor at the end of the day.
0: I think that I don't even know what term to use because I don't want to be I feel like Jenkins is scared. I'm just gonna th- I'm just gonna use that word. That's not the exact word that I was looking for there. I think that he's scared to make adjustments with certain players because he's worried about how they're gonna to react to yeah. it. And when you get in the playoffs you better suck it up, dude. It don't matter. It don't, your ego does not matter. We've heard about this team and how there's no egos on this team, everybody. And, and I'm not implying that there are, but I just wonder if some of these adjustments that should have happened last night didn't happen because of Jenkins fear of what would happen if he made those. it's, you talk about Boone Holzer and, and, you know, sending out the same thing, expecting different results and stuff like that. What does he need to do? Like Dylan Brooks last night and, and in the fourth quarter.
1: Elephant in a room.
0: Like we, we, we can, yeah, we'll just, we'll jump into it. He was three for six in the fourth quarter, eight points. He had two awful turnovers, awful
2: turnovers. Awful. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but Unforced. The, the the plays that he was making he gets he gets an extremely long leash and the majority of that leash comes from what he brings to this team defensively but you cannot let him go out there there was one one shot in particular that was early in the shot clock he came down and there was like 14 seconds left on the shot clock, and he jacks oh, up a, like a 27 foot.
1: Oh, man, nightmare stuff.
0: <laughs> and, and I know that Dylan is confident, and you're, you're going to ride like you're going to ride with him. But whenever he's hot and he fires up a shot like that, he can carry you to a victory. But what happened last night is he was not hot, he was having an off night. And he kept firing those shots. And I think that the fan base gets tunnel vision. And I'm I'm telling you right now, if you're if you're on the side that Dylan Brooks has not shown improvement since the bubble, your ass is blind. You're completely wrong. That's not it. You can be mad at what Dylan done last night, but to sit there and and just blatantly say, Oh, he's not improved. This is the same Dylan from three years ago that's wrong. It's asinine. Like that's the craziest crap I've ever heard. You can be upset because the, the turnovers that he made in this game were terrible. There, there were two passes where the Grizzlies had positions down low. One was the Clark one was to Adams. He threw the ball away. There were two turnovers in the fourth quarter. They didn't, it wasn't pressure really from the defense. He just dribbled the ball off of his foot and those things get amplified in this situation but Dylan Brooks is one of the best players on this team, and so when your best player is not on the floor, guys like him have to step up. Unfortunately, it didn't happen last night.
2: Yeah, he had the worst plus minus on the team in, in that fourth quarter. Uh, the, those unforced errors, uh, it was very disappointing to see, and I, I, I do agree with you on Dylan has shown some progress, at least in his ability to to pass. He did have eight assists that, that won't be denied, but I think it's the, the situational basketball, I think in the, the, the IQ in certain situations, just wasn't there. Just some boneheaded, some boneheaded mistakes, boneheaded shot selection, boneheaded turnovers that really cost this team when they were primed and ready to win. I mean,
0: yeah,
2: it was just a matter of simple, even if you, even if you don't execute well, just not making mistakes, I think would have been a big difference in the game. Also turnovers were huge. Um, and it cost the game. Um, I, I, it was not just on him. Ultimately, the coach is accountable for who plays and how they play. So the coach gets gets most of the onus on that. But Dylan Brooks uh, really, I don't know if his mindset was hero ball. I don't know what his mindset was. But if he was just trying to get past, you know, get back in, in his rhythm, he said. I mean, Taylor Jenkins, he was just off Russ. I mean, he only missed a couple of games. I don't know about that. But I don't know. I know he's a rhythm shooter. So if you were just trying to find that. And in the past, and I feel like it was sort of a trap, I paid attention to this throughout the series. In the games that Dylan played, Dylan has not shot well from the three. And, and this is even this even goes back to the Timberwolves series. He will not shoot well from the three, but there's always a clutch shot that yeah. Dylan has made. Um, and that may be the only three-point shot he makes. If I'm not mistaken, I recall one game from maybe the Timberwolves series where he was one of ten. Am I kidding yeah. I one? And the one he hit was yeah. the clutch shot. So I don't know if that was sort of his mindset in the past. I've sort of been able to, to, to be that, you know, hit that clutch shot and be the dagger. And he was trying to do that again, but it was, it was, it was a mistake. It was the wrong mindset. And it sort of scared me even when he did it. I mean, I'm happy in the moment that the shot went down, but the mentality of the shot when you're already, you know, 0 for for 9 at that point (laughs) Uh, to to go ahead and in the fourth quarter critical moment try again I mean it it made me nervous even then Uh, but and I just think that carried over into this game and especially without Ja as a closer a lot of the flaws get erased um, because of Ja Morant and what he does for this team and I think uh, without Ja those those mistakes are exposed even more and that's what happened
1: and I'm on a little bit of a different page and I've been a semi Dylan defender in the past because of what he brings on the defensive end. And there've been times where he's even saved his team offensively. Um, we've seen him explode for these big games offensively where they needed him to do that to win games. And he's done that in the past, but and, and there's no doubt that to, to your point that he's, you go back to the bubble earlier and in, in, in throughout the season when, I mean, he missed a lot of time in the season, you've seen improvements. He does passed the ball more uh, than, than he used to in the past. He had got away from the tunnel vision, but you get into these playoffs and he just has not been good. I mean, he had one big game in the Timberwolves series, but he was still super inefficient in, in, in that series. And I mean, you, he had a bad game here in game one in the series against the Warriors. Then the second game, he gets thrown out. Uh, the, the, the flavor foul, he's already over 3 in that game. That wasn't looking good promising at all. He either gets suspended for, for game three and then comes back in, in game four. And I'm not gonna say that he single handedly lost his game. I think there's blame to go around. And I kind of lean into this hard this morning. I, I'm not gonna not gonna lie. I, I just think what we saw last night is just unacceptable. But first off I wanna go through kind of some of the pushback that you got on people were like, okay, well if you gotta go out to Dillon, you got to go out there, Cal Anderson. Uh Cal Anderson was what was he? Two of seven from the uh, two of seven from the free throw line. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jared Jackson Jr. was 07 from the field. But the reason why I don't think you can go after them the same way as you or criticize them kind of, kind of the same way you did Dylan last night is because even though Kyle Anderson was two of seven from the free throw line, I feel like Kyle Anderson was arguably the best player on the team last night. I mean, you look at his stat line: seventeen points, eight rebounds, two assists, two steals, two blocks, super efficient, seven eight from the field if it wasn't for Kyle Anderson's contributions, they weren't, wouldn't have even been in position for those free throws to matter. I mean, I understand that you make those free throws, you win the game, but Kyle played his, you know, used three and off last night. Like I I have a hard time criticizing him because him putting up that stat line, him being the, the role player that he is, he's not expected to even do that. Like Dylan is a guy that, Without jaw you expect him to be one of your guys. You expect more than that. He's a veteran guy as well. You just expect more than that. He's more was expected of D- D- Dylan Brooks than it is of Kyle Anderson. Uh, and with Jaron Jackson Jr., even though he went over seven from three, he's still the leading scorer on the team with, with 21 points. He had five rebounds, five blocks. Still doing what he doing. He was doing on the defensive end. And, and people were like, "Oh, well, he was super, super inefficient too. He was like almost bad as Dylan. He was seven and 21 from the field, man." But it doesn't matter. Even though he was 7 8 in the free throw line, he got to the free throw line, knocked down seven of eight. Those points still count. I was telling somebody that this morning. It doesn't matter how he did it. He still created 21 points for the team in a, in a game where you only scored 98 points. I have a hard time getting on him. Now, now, with Dylan, the reason why it was so tough for me last night is because I felt like a lot of it was out of selfishness. Like, I mean, those shots, those other things, what Kyle was doing missing free throws. Uh, and Jaron Jackson Jr. missing threes, those are just guys missing shots within the offense. But a lot of that stuff that Dylan was doing last night, just boneheaded stuff just didn't make any sense. Those shots, that last three that he pulled up for just a critical moment with, with, was 14 seconds on the shot clock. Why would you shoot that shot? Like, I don't I don't understand what was going through his head. I understand early in the game that you, you're trying to get, get some get back. I get that like the Warriors fans talking about all this noise. you see seeing this, you want to come out and play. But at some point, you have to make the decision that, okay, I don't have it tonight and I'm hurting my team. And I put some of that blame on Taylor Jenkins because Taylor Jenkins, at some point, I know that's your guy, you're rolling with him, but at some point, either you have to take him out of the game, you have to say, you have to take him out of the game say, come sit next to me, or you tell him, look, we need you to facilitate, drive to the basket, try to score that way, but we don't need you taking these three-pointers. That's just, you don't have it tonight. That's just not what we, you just don't have it tonight. We're not going to get that from you. And I think it was just a feeling on, on, on both of their parts. I mean, with, with Taylor Jenkins, there was a couple of challenges. I mean, I think the the Andrew Wiggins play uh, where he got the end one, I think it was a big play um, on, on the block charge call on, on Kyle Anderson. I think he should have challenged that one. It was, of course, we probably wasn't going to get the call, but it was, I think it was 24 seconds left on the clock on the Desmond Bain. Two hands to the back of of, of Steph Curry. I just, there was no reason not to challenge at that point. I think they had two timeouts left. It was yeah. like 24 seconds. I just don't. There's nothing to lose at that point. Why don't you challenge that? I think not having Stephen Adams in the game late was, was a, a big. I mean, that's a lot of stuff that and I. I feel like they lost this game. I think it was self inflict I don't think it was anything really that the Warriors did. They just kind of bumbled this game in the fourth quarter. Game that you were leading all of four plus outside of 40 something seconds and. It's just tough, um, and but but with Dylan, I just I feel like in a game that big, I feel like him being the veteran guy, the longest senior guy on his team, I, I just don't understand at this point why is this still happening. Like I and and when I look forward, and I've said this before, even if Dylan had had a fantastic playoffs, I still don't feel like I still feel like there was a good chance that Dylan by the trade deadline next year, after the trade deadline next year, wasn't going to be on his team. I think. They drafted Kyle Anderson. Uh, Kyle Anderson's on a rookie contract. Dylan Brooks is going to be a free agent at the end of next season. It's going to take a raise likely to keep him. Are you going to give him a raise when you have Zire Williams, a guy that you've shown fully that you're trying to develop? I mean, even early in the season when he wasn't a, a guy that that really probably should have been in the, in the rotation, they stuck with him. I think they've shown the commitment that they have to to Zire Williams. Like, are you really going to pay Dylan Brooks $20 million? With what you have coming up, with Jaws' extension coming up, Jared Jackson, Julius' extension coming up, I think the answer to that question is no. And I think, seeing that this team was still able to have success without him this season, and kind of how this playoff run has gone, I just don't think that he's going to be a long-term piece for this team. And that's just kind of where I'm at on. I think he's kind of doubled down on, and helped them make that decision with what's going on. And last night was just a rough night for him. Like I hope, like. More than anybody, he comes out tomorrow night, and that's the best game of his life. But I'm not necessarily expecting that. I don't. I, I just don't see it from what we've seen. I just hate it because I've been a guy that defended him. But last night, man, was so rough for me. And I'm mean, I'm just at the point now where I'm just feeling like I might be out on him. And I and I hate to say that, but we'll see what happens tomorrow night.
0: What's up, guys? It's David. Before we go any further, I've got to take a couple moments here to tell you about our new partner at Ethos Grizzlies ember and valor ember and valor specializes in beard care products let them take your beard to the next level with their easy two-step process you get started with the beard oil to condition your skin and prevent the dreaded beard itch you finish it off with ember and valor's beard balm to condition and shape your beard go over to emberandvalor.com right now and use promo code ethosgriz for 25 percent off let them get you the beard you've always wanted emberandvalor.com e m b e r a n d v a l o r.com promo code ethos grizzlies for 25% off. I've got to run it by you one more time. I can't allow you to miss it. 25% off at emberandvalor.com right now using our promo code ethos That's e t h o s g r i z z at emberandvalor.com for 25% off of all of their products. Ember and Valor makes all of their products using all natural ingredients. Get over there, check them out, use the promo code, let them know we sent you, you will not be disappointed. Emberandvalor.com, look good, feel good. I think that what happens when you get in a pressure situation, you revert to what is comfortable for you. And I think that that is why we see, you know, when when it has not been a leverage situation, we see the Dylan Brooks that is able to go out there and be the playmaker and not be the guy that's jacking up the crazy shot early in the shot clock. But in the high leverage situations, he's reverted back to that. You, you look back at the playoff series against the Jazz last year, Dylan was 52% from the floor, 40% from three with 1.8 turnovers. This season in the playoffs, he's 34% from the floor, 32% from three with 2.3 turnovers. He's shooting the ball more from three, which is not his game. I, I've said, like, it, I think I, I was kidding around, but – I said, if my life's on the line and I need a player to knock down a shot, I want Dylan Brooks to shoot a mid-range jumper. And I know that that's not an analytical favorite, but that's his game. That's where he excels. If he gets in that 15 to 18-foot range, he knocks those shots down, and he's not doing that. In that game, he shot nine threes in last night's game. He was 0 for 5 heading into the fourth quarter. He made his only two threes in the fourth quarter. He made them when it counted but he didn't do enough. Taylor Jenkins' inability to make that call cost him the game as much as Dylan's mistake cost him the game. If you don't want to trust Zaire because he's a rookie and you're worried that he's going to make a mistake, put De'Anthony Melton out there. Don't put the ball in his hands. Leave the ball in the hands of Tyus Jones and Jaron Jackson. Let De'Anthony Melton say, hey, I don't give a flying shit what you do on offense, I want you to go out there and play defense and just be in the right spots on offense because Candace, I think she's 100% right. You don't have to go out there and necessarily – like the where, where the Grizzlies were heading into the fourth quarter, you didn't have to go out and win that game. You had to go out and not lose
1: not it. Not lose it. And, and yeah. the way
0: that the Warriors were playing, that's all you needed somebody to do. And Dylan Brooks and the decisions that he made – I'm not a guy that's like it's 100% on this player because it's not. It never is. There's no case. We can talk about the Kyle Anderson free throws, and I understand your point on that. Without Kyle playing the way that he played last night, they were not in this game. So, okay, we'll throw those out the window. But end of the day, those those five missed free throws – they win the game by two if he if he makes those five free throws or even if he but, but makes Kyle's got
2: a score, you, got you know a like, in his shoulder too. So that's like, what I'm they, saying. Yeah. They, it's I like mean, you not like, there's there's like, like totally don't expect him to miss free throws. I like he's like bang Kyle's out there breaking them. Yeah. Right, that's and like getting did. mad at Stephen Adams for not making free. throws. I mean, it's the same thing. <laughs>
0: You're point. right, but but another thing that we haven't even talked about in this series is Desmond Bain. He's not hundred percent. He's out there not even close. Like he he's out there struggling his ass off. If Desmond Bain was healthy last night, they beat the oh, crap out of this team easy. without John ja Morant. And if Desmond Bain was healthy in this entire series, I think the Grizzlies had a really good shot at sweeping the series. And and game yeah, I know that the Warriors blew them out in game three, but I there's no doubt in my mind that the Grizzlies could have won this series in five if Desmond Bain was healthy. And this is there's so much. To this yeah, so, unfortunately, so many good, good pieces to this team that are kind of not functioning in the way that you want them to or they're not where you need them to be right now. And, the, you know, the back injury for Bain was just terrible timing. It happens. That's that's part of the game. But it's tough as a fan and as somebody that covers the team to watch that because, you know, this three point loss and that, you know, the three by Dylan Lake kind of slopped in. But before it even got to that big of a lead, they were in this game. The Grizzlies had a great shot to win this game and just didn't uh, didn't get over the hump.
2: And, and just and add we- to that point, I'm sorry, just real quick, add to that point about Desmond Bain. Uh, we know that Desmond Bain is not 100%, but in game four, yeah, three, in game three, he shot five from 10 uh, from, from the field, four of seven from three still. In the, even in the previous game, it wasn't that as, as efficient, but he was still still 50% from three. And so, I mean, I'm just going to say if somebody's got to take a three pointer, I'd still rather it be back. I know Bain's not doing well, but he was the most efficient person from three still who had taken you know more than more than two shots from three, and so it, it just goes back down to the to the coaches. And I'm not saying that the best decision was to put the ball in Desmond Bain's hand, even though he's even though he's uh you know injured. I mean. I I just think Dylan was probably the least likely option at that point. Um, Even Jaron was, was zero from seven, but I, you know, you still would rather have the ball in his hand. And I, and I don't even know to be honest. And and this, I don't know. It goes back to Isaac's point about it was, were the moves by Dylan just pure selfish? Is that, was it, was it coaches coaches trying to scheme it that way? But I don't even know why we're taking threes that late in the game. I mean, at that point, we're shooting yeah. twenty, twenty, twenty-three, 23, probably 22% from three going to the last couple minutes. It's not its not been a great day from three. Why are three points being taken anyway? Why not put pressure on the defense to go to the rim to begin with and put the ball you know, floater from tight or the things that have gotten you that far in the game? But I know I, I interrupted you there, so Isaac, thank you. Oh, no,
1: you're fine. Uh, I was going to say another thing, and I forgot to even mention this, when you kind of talk about the – mistakes coaching wise in, in the fourth quarter why would you go away from jerry jerry was yeah. cooking and they had no answer for him and and that's another thing about the, the the dylan threes like why are you shooting a three with 14 seconds on the shot clock with, with the situation i think what was it a one-point game at that point why are you pulling up from three with 14 seconds on the shot clock like if you're, if you're not De- Desmond bang like yeah like i don't understand why you're shooting that shot anyway like and, and that's the thing about it people was like well maybe that's what what coach Warner, i don't think that's what he drew up if he's drawing that up then i think we got more problems with taylor jenkins than we even think if that's kind of what he wanted out <laughs> of the offense i don't think that's it but yeah uh, I, I mean you you should they should have kept going to jared because i mean they had no answer for him and one thing that he was doing last night was he was really finishing at the rim that's something that he struggled with at times but last night man he was cooking i just think they should have kept kept right with him and again i thought steven adams should have been out there and, and I think they win this game went away if they had done that. I just don't understand some of the stuff that, that we saw. And I just, it, it's perplexing to me because that's why I, I say that it has to be 100% on him because I, there's just no reason for you to be taking those shots. And I don't think that's what you drew up. I mean, that that last one was just so bad that I don't even, I don't even know what could be going through his head. Like, that's a issue if you're taking that shot. Like, I don't, I don't know because I couldn't believe it. When he shot it, I couldn't believe it. I was hoping it went in, but I couldn't believe that he shot it, and he missed it badly, and I was like, man, that was just just rough, man. and you just hate to see that situation sorted away like that, because, I mean, that was a, a big opportunity to knock that team off on the road without John Morant and to tie this series coming back to Memphis. I mean, it's just so big, especially when you go back to, to game one and saw how that would end it, man. You lose that one by one, man. You had such an opportunity last night. I mean, just had him right where you wanted them and just couldn't get the job done in the end, man. And it's, I feel like he really let his teammates down with some of those, the shot selection and, and the turnovers there in the fourth quarter. And I guess it might be what I've seen lately uh, and, and being emotional from that. But I, it's just tough, man. I, as a coach, man, I don't know what I would have been thinking when he took that last shot. I, I just, I don't know it's a tough situation, man. hopefully he's he's better tomorrow night, and they keep these series going, but that's just rough for me last night and and again, I feel like what upsets me so much about it is I feel like it was him trying to force things, and I feel like that's a a me thing and and, and when you're in a playoff game like this, you need to be about team and and I don't feel like he was about that last night yeah and it is, it's
2: a like oh so go ahead.
0: You both can kind of answer this. I I don't feel like Dylan is a selfish player. I feel like last night he made some selfish plays, but I think from what we've heard from Dylan, the the different pressers and the, and the way that we've talked to him over these last few years, that in his mind he he's he's going out there, he's trying to make the play because he knows that his teammates are counting on him. Do you feel like that that has changed? Do you feel like he is a selfish player?
1: Well, usually, I like I said, I've defended him, and I've said that a lot of those those bad shots that we've seen him taking were just kind of in, in the vein of just wanting to win. Like, he felt like they needed him to do that. But last night, that's not how I felt, uh, especially with those those last two that he shot in the fourth quarter. Uh, I just – because I feel like at, at some point, even if you have that mindset, say that's – that's what you're thinking. Like they need me, but if you if you're not getting it done, you're not getting it done. And at some point, you have to realize that you're not getting it done. It, it shouldn't take you. What was he? What was he shoot last night? What, five, nine, three, five or what of nineteen? Five of nineteen. You shouldn't have to go five of nineteen to realize that you don't have it going. Like because it, 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 in the end, you're going to do the opposite of what you're trying to do with helping your team. You're hurting your team. So there have been times where I agree with you. I feel like he might have forced things because he felt like they needed it. But last night, just the stuff was just so bad. So out of the offense, unforced turnovers, just because I mean, in that situation, that last shot, I mean, 14 seconds on the shot clock, you're up. I I just don't know why you, that's one of the most boneheaded shots that I've ever seen anybody take. Like I was mouth dropped. Like just couldn't believe that he had just shot that ball. I mean, I just didn't understand why you shoot that shot at that time. It was almost like, and I'm not, suggesting this is really what happened is kind of being facetious, but that's something that somebody would do if they were trying to throw a game. Like I, It was okay. so bad that I don't even know how to categorize it, man. It's just, like I said, I don't want to necessarily say he was a selfish player, but I will say that I felt like he was selfish last night.
2: I'll say this. I think Dylan Brooks does not want to be a selfish player. I'm not sure, and I say that because of this. David, you brought up a good point. Sometimes in high high leverage situations, your what's comfortable for you comes out. But what's comfortable for Dylan Brooks was some selfish plays. And so I, I and he's worked very hard. He has. He's worked very hard to be better and to pass the, the ball. And I think Dylan will play whatever role you ask him to, because at the end of the day, I think he really, I know he he cares about the guys. He cares about the team. And I think that that matters to him. But if it's hard for me not to say that that at the core, at least, you don't have some selfish player in you if your instinct is to result in selfish plays, and that could sound harsh. I I don't think I think Dylan tries very hard to to rid himself of those bad habits. I do, and I can see that progress for him. I think he cares about winning more than more than anything ultimately. But he got like I said for that to be the default. Some selfish in you. It's, it's I mean, it's, it's, yeah, it's I mean, got to be I some level to the core, man. It, it just, it just is. That's your, that's your default. Without thinking, it's selfish plays. I it's hard for, for that to be the default. I mean, I to say you're a selfish player who's trying really hard not to be. Yeah,
0: and it's, it's a process, right? Like you, when you get to the league, when most guys get to the league, they are not the player that they're going to be throughout their career. Right until they get you know some years under their belt they learn some things about the game learn some things about their and while Dylan Brooks is the longest tenure player on this team he's not old by any stretch and so you know there's definitely still some things that he needs to learn and, and hopefully he does whether that's with the Grizzlies or if they move him in the offseason whatever happens I'm, I'm not like Isaac I'm not calling for him to be shipped off if they do it's fine if they don't that, that's fine as well I, I like where this team is at but um, you know you just have to be better there, there's things but you know one thing that that has become apparent to me in this postseason is that Jaron Jackson Jr. cannot be your long-term five alongside of Brandon Clark it can't happen you have nobody on that team to free job with a screen if you if you don't have somebody that is a true screen setter, Ja Morant's going to struggle. And that is, I'm not that Ja has really struggled per se in the postseason, but he has played better. He played better throughout the season when Adams was on the floor. He's played better in the postseason when Adams been on the floor because of Adams being able to screen and free him up. And, and it's more than just Ja. It's other guys on the team that Adams is able to free up.
1: Well, and I want to go back to your report about Dylan Brooks. I don't necessarily know that I'm saying that he, that I want him shipped off. I just, I, I just think that's where it's headed. Uh, and he, like I said, I, I've said this even a couple months ago, even I felt like that, even when Dylan was playing well, I just think the writing's on the wall when they draft. I think when they draft Desire Williams, the writing was on the wall. I, I just, with him being a free agent next, next off season, I just think you, they're going to end up trying to get something for him because I, I think, I'm pretty sure that they probably already know that they're not paying him what it's going to take to keep him when you have Zaire Williams on a rookie contract and you have Josh's money coming up, you have Jared's money coming up and you expect that they're probably going to try to add some more pieces. Are they going to try to to, to keep Tiles? Are they going to try to keep Kyle Anderson? Are they going to go out and bring in another max salary guy? I just don't know how that works. I just can't see them giving Dylan Brooks a raise. And I think, as I said earlier, this season, I think, helped them even more to make that decision because they saw the success that they had without him. And I think what he's done this postseason, I I think probably even helped that along even more. Like, I was thinking maybe trade that line next year before. Now I'm starting to think that he might not be a Memphis Grizzly at the end of the summer. I mean, and that's not necessarily – me saying I want want to ship him off. I just think that's kind of the direction that we're headed.
2: Yeah, yeah I, I, I,
0: I, w- I wasn't trying to put words in your mouth. I apologize. No, I man, you're, you're good. So, but, you know, looking at this roster as constructed right now, there's not a third max contract guy. There's not a guy that you're going to go out and give a ton of money to. Desmond Bain would, I think, right now be the, the only one that you would consider. And I don't know that, that he's a max contract guy. Maybe he gets to that point if we see another jump from him next year then you could probably argue that point. And then at that point, you're, you're looking at your core being Ja, Desmond Bain, and Jaron, and then you go out and you find the pieces to put around them. I, I really hope that they retain Tyus Jones. I don't know where Tyus is at. I don't know where his head is. I would imagine that he would want to go somewhere to start. But with the chemistry that this team has – Maybe there's a shot that he he does want to stay because of how I hope so. well all of these guys get along. Because you look at what he's been able to provide for this team, and Tyus Jones isn't on this roster, man. This team is in a bad spot this year.
1: Yeah, he has been so big for this team uh, this year. I mean, I was thinking at one point that there was there was no way uh, that, that that he would be back, but I'm not so sure about that uh, anymore. There's a lot of different different thoughts about that. I mean, I think. Hollinger had some stuff out where he it was talking about he could get 16, 17 million. And then there's other people thinking that he might get mid-level at eight, nine, $10 million type of money. And I think if it ends up being that, I, I think the Grizzlies try to keep him, but you just don't know what his market is. or, or, or You got to look at what teams need a point guard, what team need a starting point guard. Because I think if he's going to be a backup, I think he definitely prefer to be a backup in Memphis uh, because I, I think he this team, when you talk about the chemistry, that's a cliche thing that people talk about. But when you talk about the Grizzlies, that's 100% real. That's a tangible thing. The culture here, these guys really love each other. But I mean, You just see it last night when the criticism of, of Dylan Brooks came out. As bad as the game was, as he had last night, people criticized him. John jumped on there. And said people switching up, and they're going to defend their guy. And that's just what this team is. Uh, so I think – that will play a part in ties. To I think he loves being here, but if he there's a situation where he feels like he can go and start and make more money, I think he's going to take that because that's the best business decision for him. But if things are equal um, and he's not going to, there's not a situation out there where he's going to go and it's going to be a clear, clear cut, better situation than it is here. I, I think Memphis probably wins out because of that chemistry that we talked about. Yeah.
2: It's worth the money. In my opinion, it's worth the money mm-hmm. to to pay Tyus. And, and I, you know, you may not have thought that before, but uh, we and and hopefully things change shift here. But Ja has I mean he's had some injuries here, especially this year, uh, three different stints of injuries. Um, and, and you hate to see that, but you you just want not only because Tyus can play alongside Ja, Ja has a fully you know healthy season, but also just because you you, you want a good point guard for this for this team. You, you need a good backup point guard and those are really hard to find. Now I do I do think it helps to some extent that Jalen Bronson will be on the market as well. Um at least at, at least that that Titus won't be the only uh you know potential starter point guard available that that might help the Grizzlies and, and beats play to their advantage or it might not. Uh, but I, I sort of lean towards the fact that it, at least they'll at least if Titus was the only thing on the market then, then you know everything can throw throw money at them. But I know teams will be trying to get Jalen Bronson there as
0: well and that that could also play to the Grizzlies advantage yeah it's, it's uh gonna be a busy offseason re- regardless of what they do you know you're gonna have the the draft and this front office operates I, I would tell you nothing that you hear in the media is probably gonna happen because everything that has happened with this team there was not a leak with it the, you they're they're very tight-lipped and the it just I don't know how they do it. Other places, it gets leaked beforehand, and you're hearing, oh, well, this is possibly going to happen. But Kleiman and company in that front office just don't do that. I think we're about ready to wrap this one up. We will be back not after game five. It'll be the following day. I will be at the game. So, we're recording with a late tip. You know, I think that's – is it an 8.30 or 9 o'clock tip tomorrow night?
1: I think it's 8.30. So
0: an 8.30 tip, and then the drive home, it'll be way too late to try and record tomorrow. So we will record Thursday night after game five. Hopefully we're talking about the Grizzlies traveling back to Golden State for game six. We'll see. Um, you can get the show on Twitter at Ethos Grizzlies. I'm at David W 2111 I'm going to throw it back to you guys. If you got anything else you want to throw in before we get out of here, feel free, Candice, to you first, and then Isaac will close us.
2: All right. Yeah, I just I just wanted to make one more quick point. And one thing that I noticed is that uh, Taylor Jenkins did make he did make some adjustments and sort of paring down the, the rotation as, as the game went on for this past game. We did not see John Conchar, which had been a complaint of many fans uh, up to this point that John Conchar didn't really belong in the series. And so he he got a DMP. I think that was a good decision. Uh, I think he didn't play Brandon Clark in the final fourth quarter. And also, you know, because he wouldn't having a great game up to that point. Um, or he wouldn't have a good game, just to be honest. He wouldn't have a good game up to that point. And so I those are the kind of things I, I you hate that it takes this long to, to get to this point, but it is it is my hope that in, in the long run that these are valuable lessons that Taylor Jenkins will learn um as as he continues to grow with this with this young team, as he is a young coach as well. So um, that's all my costs on that. Looking forward, really interested to in see what happens in game five. You can follow me on Twitter at Candace H 901. That's Candace H 901 A N D A C 901.
1: Take us out. Isaac. Yeah, man. And just, just to, to reiterate my point that I made earlier, um, I like the body language and the mood in the presser last night. I mean, again, that they didn't seem like a team that had given up on this series at all. Uh, Taylor Jenkins and his presser didn't seem like a defeated coach. Like they felt like this was insurmountable. Um, and, and this team is, is, persevered all year i mean nobody has believed in this team despite this team having the second best record in the nba uh despite missing job for 20 24 25 games were able to to still win games so this team doesn't give up and i, I don't think they're going to give up tomorrow night again that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to win the game uh but I, I think a lot of teams in this spot in, in their position when your, your superstar player goes down and you're down 3-1 in the series they'd be melting it in and i don't think this this team is going to do that at all, I think you're going to see. Even if they lose, I think you're going to see a competitive game tomorrow night. But personally, I think they forced this to a game six. I think they're going to be head back to San Francisco on, on Thursday, and we'll see how how things play out. But uh, Let's again, see a Clippers, will be <laughs> Clippers yeah. did it. Clippers right. <laughs> yeah, just, just meld in. But um mm-hmm. as David said, man you you can get the show and support at Ethos Grizzlies. Make sure you go over there and give us a like and a follow. We appreciate that. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday night with the post-game again. Hopefully we're talking about in preview on a game six. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals. That's I-S-A-A-C underscore rivals. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Ethos Grits podcast for David and Candice. We'll be back on Thursday night. Until then, we go.